0: To today's podcast, today we're going to be talking about diversity and what that means for us. Uh, just a discussion about about the whole thing. We're not experts, we're just sharing what we think about the subject. To lead us off, I'm just going to introduce Jenny, who's going to start talking. <laughs> Go for it.
1: Thanks. Yeah, I think this was a topic that when we were talking about what we would cover on the podcast. Talking about diversity and inclusion, I thought would be a really good topic for us because we've been friends for quite a long time. And you have both allowed me a real safe space to ask questions and try and get things right, especially in a year this year where it's it's been um, particularly challenging. And I think there's been just so much out there this year that has brought diversity, specifically race to the fore and having a safe space to talk about it has been incredibly helpful to me. And I just thought it would be quite a nice topic to bring out to the masses. We said that when we did this podcast, it would be the conversations that we have, just sharing them with, with everybody. So I thought, why not let's let's talk about this one because there's been some, some questions that I've had that you have kind of really helped me with. So even some of the basic questions of when you ask somebody where they're from, and this, Advita, is always the question you and I talk about when someone <laughs> says, where are you from? And you say. Bolton.
2: <laughs> I do. I say I'm from Bolton in in north in Northern England. And then they go, no, no. But where are you really from? Yeah. Like, well, you know, if you really want to know, it's, it's a town in Bolton called Heaton. so that's what I'm really from and this is
1: yeah that's the question right
2: yeah and it is I mean it's it's a funny one because I know what they mean and I know majority of the people mean no malice in it whatsoever but it's that question that makes you straight away think that you don't belong right because I don't hear my white friends being asked well they might say where do you live you know whereabouts do you live and that's a different way of saying where are you from and I know what they're what they're trying to say like you know where's your family from or where's your heritage from or you know where where do your grandparents go whatever you know even grandparents I've got friends whose grandparents were born in the UK and they've been you know three four five generations of family here but even they still get asked no no but where are you really from and that that is that really from that mm-hmm. really, really irritates me and I try not to get like, you know, what's the word? I'm trying to be really PG on this podcast because I know people are learning. <laughs> I try not to get really stressed about it because I like the learning. I'm trying to encourage them to ask, you know, questions. and Like you said, Jenny, we've had some very open Transparent conversations over the last six months, in particular, about diversity and inclusion, and why it's so important to all of us. Mm-hmm. So I, did, I just think it's a it's, the power of language is so important in everything that we do, and I think sometimes people don't really think about that when they ask those kind of questions.
1: And I think the, the questions are coming from that place of learning. And I think when you said to me, "Oh, you know, just ask like, what's your heritage?" if you kind of want to know, and That's been really helpful. But then as you're talking then and saying, why is it even a question? (laughs) I'm already thinking, why is it even a question? Is it just our natural curiosity, which it probably is, which is built in us as human beings? You know, we're naturally curious. If someone's different, you know, then we always want to know, you know, where they're from, I guess. so. But it is a strange question. No one has ever asked me. they have, because they think I'm quite posh, you see. So I do get the, (laughs) you know, where are you from? Or like, where did you grow up? (laughs) Um, But I don't, I don't get it. um, I don't get it in that way. And and I think you're right. It's the, where are you kind of really from? And, and and I don't, I don't ever get asked that question. It's the meaning that,
0: you know, that we couldn't come from the, the UK. We couldn't be British. We couldn't be born and bred here. Our parents born and bred here. I mean, my parents weren't, but I was. And so you know it's it's just the perception and i do think it might be about kind of an education thing like people just don't know um mm. so like it happened to somebody that i knew in canada actually did she she was kind of had that same question as avita and and really had it in a strong way and kept saying i'm from canada i'm from canada i'm from canada and the person was looking at her like no 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 but where do you really come from and it was it was that thing of disbelief that Mm. she could have come from Canada
1: when you talk about education I find that really interesting because it is an education I've been reading a lot this year and and learning about things that I think are awful like I've been reading about tone policing where people have been told to say stuff and we talked about this the other day about you know the fact that people all say you know don't talk to what was it you said I think you said it Advita like you were brought up or Trudy you were brought up to say don't talk to white person oh right yes
0: that thing of um being careful about what you say to people uh don't rock the basically it's like a don't rock the boat type thing you know make sure that you're you're docile quiet polite and everything and you know you got that from your parents you got
2: that from your parents friends
0: (laughs) um and all sorts of things
2: it's a tone as well it's like you know just just watch your tone and, and yeah, you know just be calm <laughs> be, be calm especially in like the Asian and Indian culture like girls in generally are taught to be quite submissive and a bit quiet and you know a little bit um, accepting of other people's views and just kind of nodding along and things like that and obviously I completely go against the grain (laughs) of all of that (laughs) which irritates a lot of people in my family and, and friends circle but I do remember growing up and people saying to me you know not necessarily my parents but definitely like extended family aunties and uncles kind of saying just be respectful you know especially to you know to what they regard as powerful people which you know, we're living in the UK and to them power equals white in, in some instances, especially the older generation, not so mm-hmm. much now in the new generation. So it was a bit like, you know, we're, we're a guest. That's what I used to get told all the time. We're a guest in this country, you wow. know, so we need to be very respectful of being a guest and and making sure that we follow the rules and regulations and I get that like you have to follow you know you've got to try and adapt into the culture that you're living in but it was very much a bit like you know don't like Trudy said don't show off your cultural heritage too much because we're a guest in this country and we need to respect their rules and regulations and laws and it is a very right-wing approach right if you listen to those guys who was in the you know the, the British National Party and you know the the People who are very right-wing in their opinions—they say stuff like that, right? You're in our country. You respect how we live, you know. You don't. You how dare you speak another language in front of me? Uh, speak English, you know. Don't don't speak another language. And how dare you? You know, go home if they don't like what mm. you're saying. I get told. I used to get told that nearly, well, every single day from the age of like, good since I could learn, you know, understand what English and and language was until age of 21 until I left that kind of area was told nearly every day to go home. You used to go back home. And I used to go back and go, what, to Bolton? <laughs> there's, no, <laughs> there's, no bus, there's no buses to Bolton. What are you talking about? You know, and I used to kind of try and do it that way, but it kind of, it kind of sits in with you, right? This whole kind of, you, you are, a, and you get told because your family and friends and extended family have said you're a guest and then your white counterparts and your white friends or whoever are kind of, implying that you're a guest as well by what mm. they say you do kind of think to yourself well yeah I am a guest yeah maybe I am and I don't belong here but then then again I don't belong in India where my dad's from or Kenya where mum's from because I wasn't born then I don't understand that culture so for first generation born people like myself and, and Trudy mm. you know we don't this is our home this is what we know and this is what we're, we're, we're kind of brought up to be like and being Told that we don't belong here is what the hardest I think thing is to get your head around a little bit.
0: Yeah, I'd I'd agree. I mean, I went back to Jamaica. My parents were from Jamaica, and I went there when I was twelve and had to go to high school. So I was high school here, and then went over over to the to Kingston, Jamaica, for that. And what was fascinating was that I wasn't accepted by them either. So I looked exactly like them, and. Didn't obviously didn't talk like them, but it was it was weird. I I didn't fit in there either. And then when I was here, I didn't fit in here. So it was a little bit like oh, I don't fit anywhere. <laughs> um, so it was it was an interesting it was an interesting one. And and the whole thing of I, I think from a Caribbean perspective, we don't look at this as if to say it's not part of us because we're a Commonwealth country and we've always been kind of ingrained in us that part, even though we have independence. So it's it's so deep seated in us that and especially in those days when, say, for instance, my parents came over. It was it was literally we're coming to serve a country that we belong to, not necessarily that we're foreigners.
1: God I, ha- I hate hearing you say you don't belong here and there it's just it's, ho- it's horrible and it's so apparent of the language that and the conversations that I just didn't have you know the most I had was you know respect your elders and you know al- always you know anyone that was older than you was always you know you had to respect them but there was never there was never any conversation about race like I don't remember growing up with any conversation about it and I've had some conversations this year with you know my parents and and different people in the family and there's because I was always brought up that there was no difference. So it was everyone was treated equally. So therefore, that's also, as I'm learning, one of the worst things as well, because it's that kind of silence and you're not really doing anything to help shift the kind of deep-seated and, and deeper issues that are in society. But then I worry that if I was to do anything and come out, you know, and and try and do something to make a difference. I've seen some people get a real backlash from doing that. And And that I find really hard because there is some really deep seated issues in society around race. And the more you read it, the more you then reflect on your own bias, which I have done and first came to the fore when I was doing jury service. And I walked in and the um, defendant was a, a young black kid and I was very immediately aware of my bias in that situation and I caught it straight away and was really surprised, but very aware, and, you know, therefore the education continues. But that's something that's kind of really deepened and and somewhere that I'm trying to uncover where that's come from and why it's there and why does it exist and all of those things. But if I was to come out and try and do something to make a change, I always worry that it's not going to be good enough, it's not going to be right, I'm going to get it wrong, that I'm not necessarily the person that should be doing that, because what do I know, because I'm white. And I feel like it's an absolute minefield, and therefore... A response to a minefield is just to not to walk through it, and mm. that doesn't help us either. Mm. And so, I don't really know what the answer is. I think I'm just kind of wondering what the what to do when you kind of feel like you don't want to get it wrong. And if and that's the whole kind of white fragility thing that I'm reading about, and all those things. It's not about that, but it's it's how you take that step, thinking I might get this absolutely wrong. And then I'm going to really offend people. Whereas I I don't know that there's an openness to getting it wrong, I guess.
2: Mm. I mean, I do think that majority of people of colour are... quite accepting of people making mistakes right generally I know we've seen all of us have seen people get the huge levels of backlash when they've tried to or what you know when they think they're trying to help or they're trying to say something or do something and they've, they've had a bit of a backlash about it which I do feel you know I do feel very sorry for them in a sense you know and, and uncomfortable for them because they what they believe they're doing the right thing and and they got the the I don't think it was the right thing to get that I know I Honestly, truly, and I will always stand by this, is that if somebody is trying, and you can see when someone is trying, and when someone is trying to learn, and they make a mistake, I don't believe in calling them out publicly and embarrassing them. I just don't. I think if you've got a problem with somebody, or somebody's doing something, then take it offline. And I do think that social media has made things much easier to be this You know, go on to the attack. I mean, we always talk about it. There's no context on social Mm -hmm. media. You've got 200, if you're using Twitter, for example, you've got 240 characters. They're not getting that, you know, you can't read the tone, you can't read the body language, you can't see what they're trying to say. Some people panic and they start saying things and they get involved in, in debate. And I know lots of people will say, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with a healthy debate, stop trying to silence the voices, blah, 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 blah. And it's not about silencing the voices or not having a healthy debate. It's about having the debate on the right forum, mm-hmm. right? So if somebody is making... Who what I believe a mistake or is saying something that isn't right then I will gently take offline and dm them and say let's have a chat about this what you've just shared because I think you're going down the wrong avenue here and we need to have a proper conversation about it and I know there's other people who'll do the same thing but I, I completely and utterly understand why people don't want to walk through the minefield because why would you because literally there's, there's things going off left, right and centre. And you have to remember, when we talk about race, when it comes to diversity, it's a really sensitive subject. Like con- considering what's going on in the last six months in, in, the, in the world. Um, so a lot of people are very emotional and very sensitive about the colour of the skin. And, and something that I, you know, for years, I didn't accept that I was a brown woman, which sounds really weird like I just never spoke about it. Like I used to distance myself from brown and black people. My friends were all white. I never spoke the language at home, My like the, the mother tongue, if you want to call it that. I never spoke it. I still can't speak it to, you know, to, to date. I never learned it. I never wanted to, I wasn't interested in my history. I wanted to be a white girl. You know, I, I adjusted the way I behave so I could fit in with the majority. And I think it's only in the last five years I've actually started to accept that I am a brown woman working in an industry that is predominantly white. I get that, but I am really proud of who I am. But I think a lot of people of colour in particular are coming to the realisation now that for so many years they've been under the radar, they've adjusted. I used to proudly call myself a comms chameleon. And I remember doing a blog about it a few years ago, like, oh, I'm a comms chameleon. I can adjust myself depending on who I'm talking to. Not really recognizing that it just did me, my personality, and I think what's happening is that a lot of people are now not putting up with it. You know, they're, they're standing up, they're, they're pushing back. Some of them are angry and rightly so. Some of them are like, "I'm not putting up with this," and it's just that aggravation of ev- all the years and years of emotion and all the hurt that they've been through, in over the years, is finally come to fruition and. It's funny because somebody once said to me, "God, can't believe how much like stuff is going on around race." I was like, "It's it's it's been like that for years." <laughs> you know, this has got this is not like a 2020 thing. I think what's happened in twenty twenty is that a lot more people are paying attention because of the circumstances that we're in. So, um, so loads of people were at home because of the pandemic. So when when the terrible murder of George Floyd happened in America, more people are paying attention at that moment in time. Because that's not unusual what's happening in America. That's been going on for years. But it just happened that in 2020, everybody, majority of the world, were sitting at home or, you know, or were concentrated effort on, on what was happening in the news.
0: Yeah, I I I just going back a little bit to Jenny's point, I think I think coming across with a sense of humanity is what is really, really important. And not coming across as if to say you are trying too hard because you have to be yourself. And I think some, some white people will tend to try and come across as if to say they're helping, but really it, it translates into, oh, I'm treating these people as if they're their special cases. And I think nobody wants that. It's about being genuine and compassionate and, and being a real person. If you treat every person of color, the same way that you would treat your brother, sister, family as a white person, then a lot of things would be different. If you never looked at them in the, through the, the the kind of glasses of color, if you never looked at them about in in terms of color and about where they came from, or that they are that different, because we're not really that different that, you know, every single nationality, we've all got very loads of similarities. So we're not different. And I think. I think that's it's really important for for people to realize that our biggest problem is that we don't know how to treat, how to be human. We don't know how to treat each other with dignity and respect. And we, I think we hide behind social media because it's easy. Um, unlike other forums, you know, when, when we used to have to do things face to face, you could get a slap. But with social media... <laughs> Well, with social media, you hide behind it. Mm. you know you 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 know, I think it's interesting how many people feel that it's okay to say certain things on social that's hurtful, uh, and that could include things like microaggressions, all sorts of things. People are happy to expose those things on social media simply because they're not being seen face to face. So I think there's a there's a carefulness that we all have to have, but I think it all is embedded with saying, we we have a mutual respect for humanity and for people and for how we treat each other. I'm not unlike Advita in that you hide behind things. And I, I think for me, I just spent a lot of time throughout my career, just kind of having on blinkers to say, do you know what, color is not an issue. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not something that bothers me. And of course I was aware that I was a black person, but then I 100% never made it an issue and would ignore sometimes behavior that was actually racist towards me, but I would ignore it because I'd think, you know what, I just I just wanna get on and do what I need to do. So you, you kind of push it aside and keep going. And I think what's happened this year with George Floyd, it made us stop for a moment and that kind of ignoring what was happening just couldn't happen anymore. You you couldn't ignore it. It wasn't anything that you could pretend didn't happen. This is our reality. This is our reality that we've lived for years and years and years. And, you know, it's it's not okay.
1: God, it's so interesting talking to you like this in this way, you know, because normally <laughs> we're sort of just chatting on WhatsApp about stuff. Actually doing this, you know, in a, in a sort of proper way is um, it, it's all sorts of emotions. I don't think I've got words at the moment. But I wanted to ask you a question about kind of quotas and best person for the job and all this kind of stuff, because this is a conversation that I have quite a lot with people, that it should just be the best person for the job. And a lot of people, that I, well, some people that I talk to will say, But it should be the best person for the job, not just from a race perspective, but from a gender perspective and everything else that having quotas and stuff like that doesn't help because then you kind of can have the flip side to that. But also you can't just have, you know, a a woman or a black person or an Asian person on a board because of that and I remember from a personal experience from obviously gender speaking at a conference and at the opening to that conference they said how they were really pleased that they'd got so many more women on the agenda because it was really important to them that they had more women speaking and I immediately thought good lord I'm only talking <laughs> because I'm a woman it's got nothing to do with the fact that I've got research to share or anything like that it was and I had an immediate imposter syndrome moment of that's the only reason I'm here but I just wanted to talk about that whole kind of quotas and and all of that stuff because I do believe it should be the best person for the job. I do believe that the way we recruit people and the systems in place to ensure that it is the best person for the job is, is where I think we need to focus but I don't believe in quotas as such and I don't believe in necessarily doing things to tick a box I suppose and I just want to get your kind of thoughts and opinions on that, if you're happy to share them.
0: So quotas are things that have just been imposed because things aren't right. You know, there aren't enough um, of any type of diversity across the board. So a quick way to fix it, obviously, um, is quotas. But I'm I'm a strong believer that it is the most qualified person for the job. The problem is that if you never expose yourself to a wide range of people, then you won't select people of color, LGBTQ all the rest of it. you will not choose diversity and that's that's just the reality you will also pick people who look like yourself if you never expose yourself to other groups of people, um, you will always pick people who look like you who behave like you who it's easy for you to kind of pronounce their surname or you know you don't make the assumption that, They're different from you. So I went to university and I was doing my master's with a lot of European students. We had people from all over the place, but there was a big chunk of European students and one of them in particular couldn't find a job at the end of her degree simply because her name was was funny. It was very clear that she was from a Nordic country. Um, People made the assumption that her English was bad, that she couldn't speak English and so on. And... As a result, she didn't get a job and she was contemplating changing her name and so on. And, you know, it's that bias that happens across the board which is what, you know, unfortunately that's what Quotas tries tries to help and combat. I think the, obviously the answer is to kind of deal with your bias really and, and be aware of it because at the end of the day you do want qualified people in the job but there are qualified people from all walks of life, from every diversity that you can think of.
2: It's one of the reasons why Priya and I set up a leader like me, actually, in January, because we'd had, I have, you know what, I don't really have anything against quotas, Quotas, sorry, as long as it's used in the right way. What I do have a problem with is not seeing leaders who look like me, or look like others who are underrepresented. And when Priya and I chatted about our experiences, bearing a mind that Priya is probably 12, 13 years ahead of me in terms of career, and when we were going through our kind of experiences of life, you know, what it's like to be a a South Asian woman working in in the field that we work in, our experiences were very, very similar. And we recognised that there was... The reason for that is because we just never saw people who looked like to us. You know, so we never saw women. So women is a big issue, like at senior positions. We never saw women who of colour. We never saw a person with disabilities. We never saw anyone who was different. You know, we always had this kind of uh, straight white male, you know, in senior positions. So we created a leader like me to empower because one of the things that we recognize in all of this is, and, and we've kind of hinted towards this in this conversation, is confidence plays a big part in who you are. You know, it's about retraining and reframing your mind in believing that you are worth that space and you're worthy of having that conversation with those individuals and you're worthy of applying for those opportunities and having the the confidence to stand up and go and be counted and be like hello I'm here and I want to be taken seriously for this opportunity because I am qualified to do the job that you're asking other people to do and you're just not seeing me so we created a leader like me to help people who are underrepresented understand what they need to do to kind of help build their confidence so when they are faced into discrimination or they're faced into microaggressions or they're having trouble with people claiming that they only got chosen for a position because of the colour of their skin or because they're LGBTQ plus or whatever, they can actually step up and go, actually, no, because I am really qualified for this job and this is what I do. And I don't think it's fair that you have to prove yourself all of the time, but we've got such a long way to go before changes happen. So it, but rather than shy away and let your imposter or your confidence or what else self-doubt take over, I want people to stand up I want women, I want women of colour, I want men of colour, I want anyone who's underrepresented to be like, hello, like, I am here and I can do this job and the way my name sounds or the colour of my skin or the way I look does not make a difference to how I will perform in this job. And truly, you said something really interesting about, you know, we're not all that different, but you know what? I embrace people being different. I think it's really important. Because if we weren't all different and we didn't have different thoughts and we didn't look differently, then it'd be in a really boring world that we live in. And I just think that people are just scared of that, like you just said about that woman that you did your masters with and she had a name that was difficult to pronounce. I do know people who will not appoint somebody because they can't say their name. They'll be like, I can't say their name, it's just really embarrassing for me. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna appoint them. And that's just to me that's just ludicrous like if you can say the names in game of thrones you can say the names. <laughs> of, that, of that is the quote
1: of this episode
2: <laughs> it's true though it's if you can say those kind of names then you can you know you can say the name of, of other people yeah. just, just be polite enough to learn there's something in that though I mean
1: I'm, I'm checking myself all the time and I'm reflecting on my past. I'm reflecting on decisions I've made. I'm, I'm looking at all of it through a very different lens now. And I do, you know, I do, I do know that I've been guilty of not seeing people for an interview because of their name. Like, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh, do you know what? I'm nailing this. And I'm doing this all really well. And I have been for all eternity, because that's just a lie. Like I'm very aware of an unconscious that sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? I'm very aware of an unconscious bias. <laughs> but I am. I, you know, that jury incident for me, and there were other things that happened during that experience that highlighted even more uh, unconscious bias. And I, I do, I remember having conversations with HR about, you know, I wanted to have somebody that, you know, English was the first language to work in the comms function. And, and I'm looking at that now and thinking, why? You know, where did that come from? Is it because... You know, I didn't want to have to spend the time to train somebody regardless, or I felt there would need to be training, or I don't know. Also, the fact that HR were like, yeah, that's fine. Also, not okay. (laughs) You know, there's lots of things in conversations I've had over my career where I can see this, you know, not okay. And I think that leaning into that, I always say to people, you've got to lean into something that didn't go well to recognise in yourself how you need to change to move forwards and I think that's the process I'm personally going through is okay well what why did I do that and what was that and trying to unpack it a little bit more to kind of you know front it out but I think there is a I think there is a long way to go I think we've already kind of talked about that but it's taking those little steps everyone taking those little steps to make sure that we're breaking down that unconscious bias. And that's something that's come through quite a lot in the the conversation we've had today, that it is, there is just this kind of bias that sits. And I think in some ways, across everything around diversity, not just in race. I remember someone saying to me, who was an older man saying, you know, I'm I'm surprised that men will listen to you in business because you're a woman and you're quite young. I was like, oh great, this is gonna be fun. (laughs) Let's go. No. um and i think that there i think there's lots of different aspects as we said to diversity and inclusion and i think race is the one that needs a, a lot of attention and we have got to walk through that minefield i guess it's just doing it in a way that i guess as you're doing it in a way where you feel aligned in yourself to do it and you can explain why you're doing certain things or why you're doing that then the backlash or the repercussions that might come from that are just other people's opinions and views. And we're not all going to agree. If we all agreed in life, then it would A, be very boring and B, wouldn't be you know, the world and society we live in. But I guess if I stepped forward and said, well, I'm gonna do this and people didn't agree with it, that's okay because it's just a difference of opinion and a difference of approach. But if it's doing the right thing to help people, then it's okay to carry on regardless of the fact that some people are gonna be really annoyed. Yeah, I think, you know,
0: you've grown up through a, a certain way and that's that's for all of us. You know, I have biases and I think it's it's not feeling that because perhaps I'm a black person, I don't have biases, so I'm better than everybody else. I have biases <laughs> against other diversities as well. And some of that is ingrained because of how I was brought up. But then what changes is that I did make a conscious decision to challenge my perceptions, to challenge my way of thinking and to say, well, actually, I don't want to treat anybody in a way that I wouldn't want to be treated. Mm. And so every single thing I do, I make an effort to make sure that I include everybody. Mm-hmm. Or I never make anybody feel, and I'm sure I get it wrong, but I never make anybody feel uncomfortable because of their race, their gender, their their disability, whatever it is. You know, I, I, I think it's really an important thing for us as individuals to kind of say, do you know what? I am conscious that as an individual, because of varying reasons, I will have biases against mm-hmm. different people. It's important for us to have differences and different opinions. And I need to be inclusive. So I need to do something about that.
2: And I think that's really important, Trudy, about our own biases. Because do you think people assume that just because we're brown and black and, and different colour than white, that we don't have biases but I've got to admit guys like my culture is really racist (laughs) you know we've got problems (laughs) in our culture as well like the the South Asian culture I mean people can deny it all their like I know growing up there was definite racism towards different races in my culture and behaviors were really poor and it's had to you know it's taken a lot of energy and time to re-educate the elders if you want to call them that to accept that that's not the right way for them to say the things that they're saying so there's no way that i would you know put myself on a little pedestal going oh my, the indians are amazing and we have no prejudice and we have no kind of bias we we're, we're god would we're, honestly we're, it's quite bad in some in some cultures and and some castes in the way they talk about other races and i think it's our responsibility as nice human beings that we learn and we educate and we listen. And then most importantly, we do something about it. Because mm. the other irritant in all of this is people saying, I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening. Well, great, I'm glad you are, but what are you doing? Like, mm. what are you actually doing about this? All this learning you've absorbed, all these questions you've been asking, what are you doing to start changing the way you or the people that you, you live with Um, or or surround yourself with are, are, are behaving like and I think that's really important for people to kind of you know embrace that and that's what I say to anyone who is listening to us right now really think deeply about your circumstances and the people that you engage with on a daily basis like is it the same voices is it the same thoughts is it the same environment and what are you actually doing to learn more about who you are and the people that surround you and I think that's, that will, that's step one, I would say, in terms of understanding different people.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's, it's two, two really big things out of, you know, just out of what Avita said. One is have an awareness and do better. You know, and just those two things, you know, get a, gain an awareness because we all have these things in our background. We all have these behaviours. We do have choice as to how we behave. So gain an awareness and do better.
1: I love that. I think the awareness piece is so important. And there was some chat going on earlier on this year about Father's Day cards, not having any black men on them um, and people struggling to find them. And that totally blew my mind because it's not something that I would ever look for because my father is white. And so you just kind of have an assumption that everybody can get a Father's Day card and, you know, everybody can get one that's appropriate. I have to say sometimes finding a Father's Day card that just is Happy Father's Day and isn't, you know, terribly gushing is difficult. <laughs> um, but I, it was interesting to me how there there wasn't one. So, mm. And I know that we've spoken as well about the fact that there's very few images of three women like us. Like we were saying, oh, we're going to have to create our own gifts <laughs> because, <laughs> <laughs> because it's really hard to find a representative image of the three of us for other stuff that that you know we might be doing and I think that's telling in itself that there's just not a much there's not much diversity in terms of people getting together and sharing and talking and um and doing that mm. thank you for the conversation it's been this one's been a, a really important one to me so I really appreciate the honesty all round. and
2: uh yeah you know yeah, it's a really good combo and I think it's really important that we continue talking about these things because if we don't then like you said nobody's going to want to walk, walk across that minefield and, no. and destroy the mines
0: yeah and I think it, you know sometimes it's just a simple question you know if you've got one ask ask somebody not everybody's going to kind of be aggressive back at you but some people would just answer your question if if somebody's not sure of how to behave around something you know I,
1: I think the safest thing would be to check yeah just ask do better creating our own gifts i think is going to be next on our our list for other people just with our faces they love
2: that <laughs> we should do we should do something like charlie's angels-esque because that'll be quite cool like you know so yeah. watch what out like, if anyone's listening you're going to see a black brown and a white person women <laughs> acting, acting charlie-esque poses
1: <laughs> that could be our youtube series that could come next year
2: yeah. <laughs>
0: united colors i like it
1: i like
2: it i like it thank you for listening please click subscribe so you get our new episodes as soon as they are released
0: if you want to reach out you can find us on twitter and instagram as carmaged rebels we're always up for a chat
1: So please let us know what you think and ask us any questions you might want us to cover in future episodes. We're also all on LinkedIn and always available if you want to get in touch.